Hey everybody, it's your buddy Adam, the PhD, the previously heavy dude from the Million Pound Mission podcast. I've personally lost over 100 pounds, and then I helped my hometown lose over 35,000 pounds. And now I'm on a mission to inspire over 1 million pounds of weight loss with my weekly podcast. You are listening to the Feel Good Factor podcast. Here's your host, my friend, Susmita Veganosaurus. <laughs> I hope that didn't confuse you all too much. That was my friend Adam doing the show intro for me today with his awesome booming voice. He runs the Million Pound Mission podcast. Definitely go and check him out. And now we move on to today's regularly scheduled programming. I have a friend of mine, Pragya, here on the show today. Pragya is a Bangalore-based yoga instructor and she's an author. She recently released her book called Beyond Asanas and it was published by Penguin last year. I love this book because it approaches yoga from a very different angle. It's not the usual, okay, do this asana and stuff like that. It's more about the mythological factor, the stories behind each asana. So it actually goes and reaches the essence of yoga and the asanas, not just the asanas, but all the all the different uh, aspects of yoga. And that's what I love. It's beautiful to read. And there's so much to learn from these uh, stories that she shared. Today, we just wanted to discuss how her yoga journey has been, how her mindfulness journey has been when it comes to food, when it comes to living her life, how being mindful has greatly benefited her. So that's what I wanted her here for so that we could talk about that. And uh, we hope it really inspires and helps all of you. So here goes. Hi, Pragya. Hi, Susmita. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing well too. Thank you. And thank you for having me on the show. It's lovely to have you here. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about your journey a little bit about why you got into yoga and you know how it changed your life. Um, well, actually, like most people in Bangalore, I started out as a software engineer. So I'm, I'm actually a computer engineer. And uh, I actually worked for eight and a half years. And um, the, the life of a desk bound job is not really easy emotionally and physically. And uh, I, I was having a lot of um, predominantly weight issues. You know, my weight was increasing because I was sitting all the time. Along with weight, there's so many other, like there's so much stress. There's, you know, so much emotional and mental turmoil, you know, whenever you're in stressful jobs, especially the kind of corporate uh, culture that exists right now. And I think it was a combination of all of these things in, in retrospect, I can say it was a combination. At the time, I thought it was just weight, which actually pushed me to look for ways to lose weight. And, you know, I started going to different classes. And eventually, after a couple of years, I walked into my first yoga class. And I, I just took to it like fish to water. I loved it. I loved the practice. And it really did suit me. You know, I really loved um, actually waking up early and going to yoga class. And, and you know, the one hour that I'd be there, I, it really... There was something about it which was very attractive to me. And it started from there. I used to see, um, like, a lot of my instructors were young people. They were also, you know, and, and we live in Bangalore, so you see a lot of these people who used to be software engineers and then they switched jobs. You know, I, I, I used to get inspired by them. And one day one of them said, yeah, why don't you 
why don't you go for it? You know, and uh, that's where it actually started. I thought, yeah, why not? It's something that I'm passionate about. It's something that's actually helped me. There was something, uh, you know, very interesting and uh, very uh, compelling, you know, about being a yoga teacher, helping people uh, in the way that yoga had helped me. And, And yeah, and since then to now, I think it's been about a decade. I've just been teaching every day. And uh, every day, it's, it's, it's a different experience. It's, it's new. It's exciting. That's lovely. You know, I, I remember you saying that it's not just teaching. You say a lot of yoga teachers who, who get into it with the similar intention as you. Like, okay, it helped me so much. So let me go out and help the world with this. But then they ignore their own practice. They're not making enough time for themselves. But, you know, you've always spoken about this. I've attended a class with you. I've Mm -hmm. just had talks with you. And you always talk about how important it is. Uh, So can you tell everybody about that a little more? Yeah, I think, you know, it's very frequently like a, a lot of senior teachers will tell us that, you know, the moment you stop practicing is the moment you should stop teaching. Because with every every minute that you spend practicing, there is something new that you learn. You know, there, there is a, a, a new depth that you reach. It may not be a huge amount of change. It may not be a great learning that you get with every single session, you know, yoga practice that you do. But just the, the fact that you spend time uh, on it every day, that, that you're regular and you're disciplined and you say that this is the practice that I've chosen, this is the path that I've chosen. And uh, that I commit to it, you know, that in itself brings a lot of discipline and yoga being a big, a holistic uh, practice. It's not really just how well can I do a particular asana? It teaches you a lot more as a yoga practitioner and as a yoga teacher, that, that aspect of dedication has to be there. That aspect of compassion has to be there. That aspect of practice has to be there. So there are many aspects of being a yoga practitioner, which cannot be quantified in a way such, let's say that an asana can be quantified. You can, you can tell today, was I able to do the splits? You know, these things can be quantified and these are very visible. But I think most uh, aspects of being a yoga teacher and a yoga practitioner cannot be quantified. And that is what you work on, you know, so every day when I practice, I'm not working on my splits, you know, I'm not working on my advanced asanas. I'm working on certain other aspects of the practice. And, and these aspects, there's so many, but like a few of them would be my, my compassion towards other, other human beings and myself, my, uh, like the depth with which I feel connected to myself, to people around me. And, and believe it or not, like with every single practice, you do work on these. You know, there is a palpable difference from when you begin the practice to, to when you end the practice when you can feel that th- this change has happened. And uh, your asanas will not, you know, are not a good indication of how much of a transformation has happened internally and with every single session. But it is there. And which is why it's not just me, but like a lot of my senior teachers, a lot of teachers I've uh, studied with and I continue to study with, they, they really uh, emphasize this point that if you want to be a teacher, you are a practitioner first. And I, I in my practice, I've I've really seen and in my interaction with other good teachers, I've seen that, yeah, you know, the, the ones who attempt to understand the, this art and this philosophy are the ones who are able to teach it better. And, and that's why we must practice first before we teach. I believe that's not just applicable to yoga, but every right. other thing in life, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> the practice yeah. is what keeps you in tune with the whole thing. And that's yes. how you can teach and learn better. So you teach better too. Yes. 
can you tell us how important it is to know all these stories the meaning behind each of these asanas or any of the yoga practices mm. yeah in fact i've just written an article about it also and you know while writing the article and really thinking about how how do i explain how do i explain the importance of knowing uh, about yoga beyond just the asanas i've been thinking about that ever since i've been writing this article which is the last you know couple of days and and really uh, the the importance of it is that yoga is not just a physical practice in fact the physical practice is just a microcosm you know of the whole philosophy and the art that is yoga but how do we connect yoga to the rest of our lives you know how they say things like yoga is not only about the asana it's not only about touching your toes it's about what you learn on the way down yoga is not only about the asanas we hear all this you know but how does it actually uh, apply to our lives so what i have realized through all these years of practice is that if i only do let's say the tree pose you know um and what i think is okay uh, as a rudimentary beginner practitioner i think okay well i can balance really well maybe my legs are strong maybe my core is strong maybe i can focus well you know but when you go deeper into it th- there's an appreciation for trees and trees in our culture like for instance the bodhi tree you know in buddhism it was under a tree that buddha reached enlightenment shiva taught under trees when you look at a tree uh, big banyan trees all over bangalore these are old trees they've witnessed histories they're wise trees and that is the aspect that we must meditate upon and and that is the the aspect that we must hope to assimilate in us when we practice the tree pose you know so it is not only about the balance but it is also about wisdom in my yoga practice in my yoga session in my yoga journey you know what am i learning all this time that i've been around like a tree the you know these big banyan trees have been around for so long you know what have they assimilated from their environment they exist with the wisdom of the ages you know and as individuals we also exist uh with the wisdom of the time that we exist you know the the time that we live our lifetimes and maybe even more so these these are the more important points of yoga practice you know so uh, as practitioners especially when you're new the challenge is okay can i balance in garudasana can i balance in natrajasana uh can i balance in tree posture but it is very important for us to really know that the reason we balance in natrajasana is because of what natraj symbolized you know uh we balance in tree uh, in tree posture because of what tree symbolizes which is wisdom mm. i hope that that sort of answers your question yeah yeah definitely that uh, makes it very interesting very clear i think it would uh, significantly change uh, the world if the modernized version of yoga embraces this mm. going more deep and teaching all the different aspects of yoga the history the mythology the symbolism mm, yes. behind all these yes. uh, poses right i think it's going to make a huge impact because i mean yoga after all that was the whole uh, purpose behind mm. the practice to begin with right <laughs> yes also i'd like to say that in addition to that i think uh, you know within the context of uh, the the place where yoga originated from where the practice of yoga originated from uh, which is india and people would argue maybe surrounding areas because india was you know this huge massive area before present day it also i think puts the practice into cultural perspective you know it helps you understand uh, a little bit more about the depth of the culture of the uh, you know subcontinental culture and that also helps you understand yoga better 
the ideas that we talk about in yoga are like go beyond just you know your fitness class we talk about enlightenment we talk about sacrifice we talk about commitment we talk about so many aspects which make sense to a practitioner once they understand the cultural context you know which is why we see a lot of serious practitioners traveling to india and trying mm. to understand you know the culture where this practice originated from and i think that's very valuable as well if you really want to get to the basis of why we practice and why yoga is you know deals with more than just your physical physical presence it also deals with so much more than that hmm so true i absolutely agree with that i'm seeing that more conversations are happening now surrounding this surrounding this whole thing of today we are in a world which is great people mm-hmm. are becoming more woke and mm-hmm. uh, you are hearing things you're talking there are a lot of conversations about cultural appropriation and oh, you know yeah. <laughs> yoga is one of the most <laughs> biggest culturally appropriated or rather widely uh, used things right almost to the point it's so big that it's almost forgotten that it's actually appropriated right right yeah <laughs> so in these conversations you know what i've read what i've heard uh, some of the practitioners where they do specify this it's not about a person who's not indian shouldn't practice hmm. this it's about they should practice it with an understanding of the basis of it of where it comes from why it comes from and with that respect for it you know right. and then anyone can practice it as long as that is uh, done yes i know you wanted to talk about your mindfulness journey hmm. was that inspired by your yoga practice where you mm. started applying mindfulness to other aspects of your life like food mm. and things like that yes i i definitely think that yoga is to a large part you know and and maybe yeah the you know the credit can be entirely to the practice of yoga because i think before i stumbled upon yoga first as a way to fitness and then as a way of life i think i was just on auto mode which is what everyone is on these days you know especially i i can speak for the corporate uh, strata because that's where i belonged before i changed my field and you know we, we are on auto mode um, whether it's about our jobs or whether it's about us and i've lived that life where you have uh, a particular way of living you know uh, you know you intend to wake up early to uh, go for a walk or go for a run but you know that you will not Uh, you know that you'll wake up just in time to take a shower and run out of the door uh, and drive to work and get to work on time and stay in, at work for 16 hours you know so you, you live you exist in auto mode and you know it, when i was going to the gym i i i feel that you know i was still existing in auto mode because there was nothing in my gym uh, workouts which which were inspiring me to look beyond uh, to look at my habits to look at uh, to assess what I, how i was living and how i could change for the better and the same with like a bunch of other things that i've done fitness classes that i've been to and i've i've been to a lot and i think you know yoga was um just just by design the way that the practice is designed where you move um your body in in very mindful ways so you're not doing the same set of sequences every day same set of asanas every day the sequence changes daily you you are getting exposed to different stories like sometimes teachers will tell you stories about the practice of yoga so it in every single session you are woken up a little bit more you know uh, whereas in in the gym and and you know the gym is nice and i i really uh, enjoy the gym sometimes as well but if i had to really uh, talk about like when the point at which i went from the physical 
to the emotional and mental aspect of fitness. And I think both of these are related. I think that it was with yoga classes, you know, even your rudimentary yoga class, the teacher will make you do Surya Namaskars, explain the meanings of Surya Namaskars, uh, explain uh, the different asanas, at least tell you the Sanskrit uh, meanings uh, or the names of the asanas, what it means. It sort of uh, compels you to think more and to think beyond. And that is the habit, you know, that you're doing this four times a week, five times a week, that eventually then forces you to think about other aspects of your life also in the same way, you know, in the same innovative way, in the same proactive way. So that's how it started. And again, I'm speaking in retrospect, because while this was happening, I, I was just going with the flow. I, I don't really think I was doing anything in a very planned way. And uh, yeah, so the mindfulness starts there. It started with the first yoga class that I took. And it's since then, it's been continuing. Hmm, that makes sense. Like, I can't think of a single other practice which involves the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual and brings it all yeah. together. And plus going further into compassion and all yeah. those things, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what about, you know, you said that it began as a weight loss uh, yes. journey yeah. and then led to more. So can you talk about that? Yes. A little? Yeah, I, I particularly wanted to talk about that because I think that's something that everybody, that many people can relate to. Because uh, like it or not, most people, you know, when they think about uh, about fitness, they think about weight loss. And I grew up uh, in the same way. And in fact, I've blogged extensively, uh, extensively about that. I've always been, uh, you know, like on the chubbier side. And I, I think, uh, you know, even growing up, I wouldn't say that I was very active. I, I was more of like the bookworm. I spent a lot of time sitting and reading. And, and I was, I was uh, chubby. Uh, at some points in time, I was overweight also. My weight would fluctuate. And it continued all the way... Um, until I started working and, you know, when my weight shot up to about 70 kilos, that's, that's when I was like, uh, okay, I, I have to do something about this. This is not healthy. I was so obsessed with losing. I've been obsessed with losing weight my whole life, you know, and there are many factors for that. You know, anyone who's ever been fat and especially, you know, who's been fat since their childhood, they, they know it's not easy being fat. It's just not easy. Uh, you're at the receiving end of many jokes. You are it, it's it's emotionally very challenging. You know, it's not just physically challenging, but it's emotionally challenging. And also because you are so hard on yourself because you don't look a particular way. And and it's really about that, you know, and especially when it starts when you're young, um, these are, uh, th th these are uh, emotions that you really internalize, you know, and it almost, it's almost like you have to exercise these movement, uh, these uh, emotions from yourself, you know, it's, when you live a particular way, when you have a particular way of thinking for decades of your life, you know, it, you don't even know eventually what it is like to think in any other way. And I think that's where like body dysmorphia, all of these issues come from. I've, and I've been through, you know, like a lot of these issues, like yo-yo dieting and binge eating and all of these things and exercising compulsively. And, you know, nothing, nothing helped. And, and I always say that, you know, I, I uh, went on the path of yoga or the fitness journey because I, I had reached 70 kgs, but I really think it was a lot more than that. Um, I think I also was quite frustrated with, you know, the, the kind of negative self-talk that I had been, that I'd had like for years, you know, for most of my life, for all of my life, in fact. And uh, I think I was just so tired and so frustrated of, uh, you know, as, as shallow and superficial as it sounds, uh, I was frustrated of looking that way, you know, of being overweight. And, and that's, 
uh, that's that's where it actually began. That's how I started going to the gym. And honestly, like, and that's what happens with most people. When you go to the gym, uh, you are exercised initially, you know, when you when you don't go to the gym with a proper plan, with a proper trainer, and you just go because calories in and calories out is all you're thinking about. Then what you do is you, you get into this habit of uh, exercising compulsively and making sure that you have a particular number of calories burnt that day, and then trying to make up a deficit also in terms of food. You know, so you're not having breakfast or you're having and then you're having just salads for lunch and then maybe a coffee for dinner or something. And I've been through all of that. And and I feel that it's important for me to talk about it because a lot of people who look at me uh, today, they would never believe it. You know, I actually have to show people my before and after picture to show them what I was, what I looked like and where I've come now. And I, you know, I, I went to those, all those years of, you know, going to the gym and starving myself. And a lot of people, I know a lot of people are doing that now and they've, they've done that in the past. But what, what really helped me, the, the reason yoga really helped me was because it really helped me pause and see, look at my relationship with myself and my relationship with food. You know, I had, I had sort of like made myself and food uh, and the relationship between us like the bad guys, you know, so I would fret about how much I was eating and it didn't matter what I was eating. It didn't matter whether I was enjoying what I was eating. I was just not enjoying food at all. I wasn't enjoying being myself. And when, once I started practicing yoga, I saw that there was a huge change in that, you know, in just, just the, the sort of like the cessation of negative self-talk. And because I was practicing yoga so much and I was so interested in, in you know, really practicing asanas daily, I think that like automatically did change the kind of food I was eating, like the kind of food I was eating. So I was eating better. But it also, you know, sort of brought that mindfulness in, you know, that maybe I should explore a little bit more different styles of eating, different, uh, different ways of eating different kinds of diets. And, and that it really helped me in like going deeper, uh, you know, that food is not just about the calories or just about calcium and iron and, uh, you know, carbs and proteins, it really helped me see food for like, in a holistic manner, you know, food itself in a holistic manner, and not, ju- not just my like lifestyle in a holistic manner. Hmm. Hmm. So, yeah. So, in what way did uh, you look at food in a holistic manner? So, uh, the first thing, um, and again, you know, like I, um, this is all coming from my personal experience, you know. So, at one point in time, I remember, uh, you know, I would go to the gym and I would burn like 700 calories on the treadmill. And then, and one of my gym instructors told me, well, you know, you, should, you can have dosa, but, you know, don't have it with uh, potatoes. You know, don't have masala dosa, just have like a plain dosa. And, um, and I, I took that to mean, uh, you know, like with like, as, as a, as a rule that should never be broken, you know, and for many years, I never had masala dosas, and I love masala dosas. So the, the way um, I became, I started to look at food more holistically is that, you know, maybe I should, it, things should be in balance, maybe a masala dosa, like twice a week, or three times a week, don't deny yourself, enjoy it for what it is, enjoy it while you're having it. And then see where you can compensate during the rest of the day, you know. So it helped me look at it like that, you know. So more from the, uh, before I was, I came from a point of deprivation, you know, and that, that you feel, especially if you have issues with self-image, if you have issues with food, with weight, you get into this habit of like depriving yourself and feeling good about it. It's, it's a, like some sort of negative reinforcement, you know. And uh, I started looking at food more holistically after I started practicing yoga and actually realizing that you can actually enjoy food, you know, enjoying food doesn't mean that I have to have 
let's say dessert seven days a week and only then I'm enjoying it. I can have dessert, you know, once a week, once in two weeks and still enjoy it and not deprive myself, you know, and make maybe that dessert a, a good quality dessert, not just uh, stuff like a bunch of um, chocolate bars, which I may not even like down my throat. But, you know, instead of, instead of that, go for something that I really, really like. Make it about quantity, not about quality. Uh, make it about quality, not about quantity. Mm-hmm. So th- these were like just a few things, you know, over the years. These are just a few of the things that I I used to not really do, you know, when I when I was uh, struggling uh, with weight. And now I I can actually look at uh, at food and I and especially with this coronavirus, I've been cooking a lot at home, and I really appreciate food, wholesome food, you know, nourishing food. And I can I'm actually able to use these adjectives for food. Whereas I, I was the kind of person who was, I mean, I didn't have masala dosa for ages, you know. So that's how, you know, uh, the practice of yoga has led like to mindfulness in, in terms of food as well for me. I look at it uh, in, a, in a very different light now as, as more of in terms of pleasure, uh, in terms of nourishment, energy. I look at the quality of the food that I eat. I feel that I respect food a lot more, you know, than I used to before when it was just about calories. Hmm. What you said about the energy of the food, particularly being more mindful with your eating, did that also lead you to? And of course, being a, you know a yoga practitioner, you are plant based, and hmm. did that lead you to become plant based? Uh, I would, uh, you know, it's it's hard to say, mm-hmm. but I I do feel that yes, it has a huge part in it because see, I grew up you know, in a family which is non-vegetarian, we are Brahmins from the hills and we are non-vegetarians, you know. And in every uh, festival we have, we eat non-veg food, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And over the years, I, and I can't even say like that I made the decision, you know, or that this was the day or the year that I decided mm. that I'm not going to eat meat. And I, I can't really, uh, you know, say that. Actually, it happened over a period of time. Mm. Uh, at one point, I was like, okay, it, I just just don't feel like it. It wasn't that something was saying that I, it's not suiting me. It wasn't about any, it was not about calories. It was not about that I was having some sort of weird reaction to it. It was just that I just felt that I, I don't want to eat, you know, meat anymore. But like, I don't want to consume dairy milk anymore. It was just something that, uh, that just came from within, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I have not like even read many books about it. I have not like really uh, researched any of this, you know, I, I've always been very open, you know, about food. I, I've never said, okay, I'm not going to eat this. It, it, like my, my food choices have been based on calories and not on anything else, you know. Hmm. But uh, this, this whole, it was a progression. Like I became uh, plant-based. It was a progression. It, it was also a journey. Hmm. It started very small, you know. It started off with like milk. So very small. And then eventually one day I was like, oh, I, I'm not actually eating <laughs> so it, it was not like it was not a conscious decision it just sort mm-hmm. of happened and I I really do think because I feel yoga makes you more compassionate it makes you think about other people other lives it makes you maybe also feel at a more subtle level you know so maybe even if I had not recognized that certain things were not suiting me before maybe I was not recognizing it it was only about the calories then after you know years of practicing yoga maybe on a subtle level I started feeling uh, that it's not suiting me, which might have led to some sort of aversion to certain kinds of foods. It it is possible mm-hmm. because yoga does have that that impact on people. It changes you at a very subtle, at a very primal level. Yeah, and uh, food is 
energy finally mm. and you know the energy of the food you become more in tune with that right like you are yes. tuned to okay so you can feel that okay yes. this is the energy it carries it doesn't even have to be a, a physical not suiting you yes <laughs> it's just energetically yes. not suiting you exactly anymore. exactly and again that's like a subtle thing that you can understand when you do have a mindfulness practice you know yeah. um otherwise yeah. you have like i said you know we are on auto mode i used to be on auto mode and in that mode there's no space uh, to even understand energy you know to even uh, recognize that you function as a result of energy and what's happening to your energy and all of that mm-hmm. also uh, you know since we're talking about like like food and the quality of food and being plant based uh, i'd also like to say you know for everybody who's struggling with weight when i uh, i so i went up to 70 kgs and then i've been 49 kgs as well you know and if you look at my instagram you can see uh, you know you can see how i look now and i'm at a at something like a 56 to 58 i've stopped weighing myself also over the years so but i maintain something like a 56 to 58 and but i've gone down to 49 kgs as well and uh, what i would like to tell people who are so obsessed with the scale is that there there is a lot of merit in looking at what you're eating because now i feel that, you know because i i'm more conscious of what i eat and mindful about what i eat i i know that there are certain foods that do not suit me like for instance they will cause uh, bloating or they will cause you know some some other they'll cause me to break out or it'll cause uh, like even things like constipation food has a an immediate impact on you you know and i feel that when i was overweight i was not looking at that aspect so even when i was 49 kgs which is the thinnest i've been the, the least weight i've been i was still eating uh, unmindfully and unconsciously and a lot of and i was constantly feeling fat and now i realized that perhaps that was just bloating you know because i was eating all this stuff which did not suit me and i was eating a lot of junk food you know so i i would encourage everybody who is you know who's trying to lose weight or you know you want to eat healthier or you want to live healthier you you must uh, it's it's not a myth that certain foods suit you and certain foods don't you know it is not a myth there uh, everybody has a different constitution everybody has a different chemistry body chemistry and it will hold you in good stead like in the future in your fitness journey to identify what is good for you what makes you feel good and what doesn't make you feel good and to to have an idea about that you know because that's one of the most important things that you can really do for yourself so uh, for instance i know that dairy does not suit me and i uh, if if by accident i have something which has dairy in it i will know immediately and i will go and and try to figure out what i ate because i'll know i i i know through my body that these are the signs of having eaten something which was which had dairy in it you know so it's uh, and again this is something that i've learned over the years Uh, and so i would really encourage those of you who are trying to lose weight and in a healthy way in a in a uh, in a more holistic way that you must pay attention to what you're eating because that uh, it can uh, either make you feel better or make you feel like like crap and it's all related to what you're putting inside your body hmm hmm that makes a lot of sense again <laughs> we know back to connecting with what you're eating and uh, i i think basically being present right while mm. you're Yeah. eating something be present with that food and mm. experience it and then that's how you know like okay you you mm. can feel mm. <laughs> what it's making you feel <laughs> yeah yeah 
and uh, it's not just you know you were talking about the bloating and the physical aspect there's so many mental emotional mm. aspects like there's certain foods that will make you feel a certain way too mm. right and sometimes yes. it's a temporary high sometimes yes. it's like a high and a crash sometimes immediately you'll start feeling bad you know so yes. uh, there's so much more connection uh, to yes. this like yes. this. it yeah. just goes a lot yeah. deeper <laughs> exactly exactly yeah Uh, so praga is there anything else you'd like to add anything else you'd like to share before we close no i think that's pretty much it um if people want to connect to me i'm i'm on social media as yoga mm-hmm. with pragya on instagram and on facebook uh, my my book beyond asanas is available on amazon and flipkart and it's available internationally it's in fact available for kindle download as well and uh, and yes i'm i'm quite responsive on social media so if anyone has any questions about losing weight uh, weight loss emotional issues that they're going through because of a, a you know a weight um, problem uh, please feel free to reach out to me i've been through this journey myself and so it's it's a it's a thing that's very close to my heart it's an issue which is close to my heart and i i really feel that there have been times in my weight loss journey you know when i when it would have been nice to speak to somebody who's been through it you know So if anyone is going through it experiencing it um please feel free to reach out to me Lovely and you also have a blog right Yes yogawithpragya.com and uh, yes I blog about these issues as well uh, quite extensively um <laughs> yeah. so yes you're welcome to read uh, that as well uh, I'm also doing online classes these these days um online mm-hmm. yoga classes so um they're open to uh, everyone internationally so all that information is also on my website great so you can share your you know your blog and website link your social media links and i'm going to post them all on the in the show notes and the blog post so that people can get access to it thanks uh, so pragya thank you so much uh, for joining uh, here today and then for you know sharing this uh, very inspiring uh, journey of of compassion and love for yourself and for other living beings you know around you <laughs> Thank you so much. Yes, actually it's the first time that I've spoken about this this uh you know in such mm-hmm, detail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so thank you for bringing it out and putting it out there for everybody. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Okay, right. take care. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode of the Feel Good Factor, rate, review and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform, especially Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to be notified about the upcoming episodes of the Feel Good Factor, subscribe to my mailing list on my website veganosaurus.com. V e g a n o s a u r u s.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Feel Good Factor. I'm Susmita Veganosaurus and I'm looking forward to talking to you again very soon. Bye.